Can we hear me? Hello. There we are. Yeah. <laughs> hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to this morning to 1111. Good to see you all this morning. Good to have you here with us. Um, I'm going to make a couple of quick announcements and uh, as, we're, as, as other folks continue to come in this morning. So um, just real quickly this morning, first of all, register your attendance. Love to know that you're here. And uh, especially online, we're so glad that you're with us this morning. And so we would love to see you register there. You can do that online. There's also an opportunity online for you to, to uh, give. And uh, somebody asked what the money goes to when you give in here. And right now, all of the giving goes to the overall church's budget, right? The overall church's budget, which we're a part of. And then also dollar bills go to the missional uh, program for uh, the, the, um, the, the kitchen, the uh, food pantry, and goes to that. So... Um, your dollar bills go to one part of the budget, and then your contributions and your offerings go to the overall budget. Uh, and we're not sure how that might change over time because we're actually working on some other ways to do some specific sort of developmental, future developmental things where, the, where, some of your, where a lot of your contribution will go specifically to 1111. But that's uh, right now it goes to the church's budget. So somebody had asked about that. That's how that works. And I appreciate your continuing to support the church because the church obviously supports this. And that's what uh, we're, we're part of that larger system, as well as it does wonderful things in the community, outreach-wise and programmatically-wise as well. So there's your opportunity to do that online. You can do that online from here. You can do that by bringing it up here during the song that we sing together here shortly. A um, couple of quick things to announce. Uh, Avonel and uh, Sharon West have been looking, two of our members here, have been, and also members of our Team 1111 leadership team, they've been looking at ways that we can be more involved in the community in addition to like we can work with the First Street Mission. There's other opportunities to work with some of the church's missional activities and programs. But some of us have been um, involved or going to Taste Project. Some of you know this restaurant, which is here on South First Street, South uh, Main Street. And it's a, it's a pay-as-you-can restaurant, which is awesome, and, and it, I don't remember how many people they actually feed who can't afford to pay for meals. It's in the thousands every year. It's pretty cool. And then, of course, you just pay what you want. Also, it's a really fine, amazing food that's like a four or five-star chef that prepares all this stuff. It's good, it's good food, and so I encourage you to check it out, Taste Project, but if you're interested in being part of our volunteer team who will do some serving there, we'll, we'll We'll participate in a regular schedule. It might be once a month, might be every other week, but we'll find a day or a time where our team can be a part of that and serve. If you want to do that, let me know, because we'd love for you to be a part of that. It's an exciting and a, and a fun way to be engaged in the community, visit with other people, as well as do a great thing for the community. Um, the other thing is, if you, if you look on your chair or a nearby chair, you can scan for the bulletin which is always nice to follow along. If you'd like to, you can scan for the bulletin there. And if you do so, you can find at the bottom of that online bulletin is another scan code. We love these scan codes. They're like going down a labyrinth. One scan code leads to another scan code, which leads to another scan code. Um, but this one, if you'll, if you'll scan it at the bottom, that gives you a place to sign up and be part of our greeting team. We always need a couple of folks at the door downstairs. We'd love to have your smiling face welcoming folks. And if you'd like to be a part of that, please scan that and sign on there and let us know. I think that's all of our announcements this morning. I'm going to set up what we're talking about today. Because I want to think with you, we're still in this idea of heroine's journey. And sometimes that trips up people, this idea of thinking of the heroic myth or the heroic journey, Joseph Campbell. So much of our storytelling, we're familiar with that. If you think about it, almost all of our storytelling follows that sort of mythic structure, like, the Harry, like Harry Potter or the Lord, Lord of the Rings or, or um, um, Dorothy and Wizard of Oz. I mean, all of these narratives follow that pattern of sort of self-discovery, facing trials, responding to the call, facing the trials, and then basically recapitulating and returning home with sort of the gift. That's the hero's journey. We all engaged in that kind of reality, even in our life. But the heroine's journey is something else. It's, it's really what's often missing in the hero's journey. It's not about women or men. It's really about what do we face that we find ourselves resisting on a daily basis? What is it that you're resisting right now in your life? Or what is it that you're reacting to? right now in your life. You keep finding yourself reacting to something. It might be in the news, it might be what's going on in the world, it might be in our relationships, it might be in the way in which we always respond to sort of anger and impatience. And then 
Whatever we are reacting to or responding to in a, in a resisting way, sometimes we find ourselves thinking, why am I still doing that? You know, why do I still do that? And so if that's the case, what you might be missing is this invitation of the heroine's journey. And that's what we're going to look at today in relationship to this Gospel of Luke and this verse from the Gospel of Luke. So be thinking about what we resist or what we react to. All right. Good to have you all here. Good to have you online. Let's get started, Ben. Well, we're actually going to do the welcome candle real quickly. No, you're doing great. Um, good morning, everyone. <laughs> How is everyone this morning? Oh, you know I require more than that. How is everyone doing this morning? Wonderful. Thank you guys so much for joining us today at 1111. It's my pleasure and my honor to do the welcome candle with you guys this morning. If you're at home and online, if you have a candle, this is our time to light it. So nerve-wracking. All righty. Come, come, whoever you are, wanderer, worshiper, or lover of leaving, it doesn't matter. Ours is not a caravan of despair. Come, even if you have broken your vows a thousand times, come yet again.
had to pull up my order of service. I'm next. All right. Um, we are going to sing a song together. If you guys would rise as you're willing and able. Uh, this is one of our favorites here in 1111. The words are going to be up on the screen. And actually, our wonderful keyboardist, Justin Pate, is going to lead this one. So y'all get ready for some Bob Marley. <laughs> also the time to bring your offering forward to the table in your attendance cards.
Hello, beautiful people again. <clears throat> I did want to take just a brief moment to say how actually beautiful you guys are. Um, it lights up my world to see you every Sunday. The fashion show, the smiles, I love it. Um, we're going to do a, a call and response that kind of echoes the energy of our new series that we're doing, if you'll join me in, in saying it. <clears throat> Each of us is invited on this journey. We are all called to love. Listen deeply. It can arise in the whisper of a morning breeze, the gentle urging in a smile, or the longings of life in the, jaw, in the dry ground. Even when entangled in the web of uncertainty or distracted by the glimmers of greed, I choose to passionately pursue the call of love. We'll be entering our um, Kairos time. We'll be singing a song that we're all very familiar with, Love, Hear My Voice, followed with a brief moment by Charm. That song has invited us in to this time of quiet, this time of quiet with love all around, always here, and here we are. So I invite you just to close your eyes if that's comfortable. Take some deep breaths and think only about love all around you, within you. Breathe that love in and out and believe in the power and energy of that. Holy One, we give thanks that your name is love. This is a name we most know you by. 
May we embrace you and you embrace us and we embrace each other in love. And may we embrace those who we think are so different from us. We don't always know how to do that. But we believe in the power of love, so let it be. Amen. Well, I'm reading this morning from Luke chapter 12, verses 49 through 56. I came to cast fire upon the earth. How I wish that it was already ablaze. I have a baptism I must experience. How I am distressed until it's completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No. I tell you, I have come instead to bring division. From now on, a household of five will be divided, three against two and two against three. Father will square off against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Jesus also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud forming in the west, you immediately say it's going to rain and indeed it does. And when a south wind blows, you say, a heat wave is coming, and it does. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret conditions on earth and in the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret the present time? search of the answers look for God and life on distant planets have your faith in the ever after while each of us holds inside the map to a labyrinth heaven's here on earth we are the spirit the collective conscience we create pain, suffering, and the silence, beauty in this world. Cause heaven's here on earth. In our faith in humankind, in our respect for what is earthly, in our unfaltering belief, in peace and love. And I understand it. I've seen it meant angels wearing a disguise of ordinary people leading ordinary lives filled with love, compassion, forgiveness, and sacrifice. Heaven's in our hearts, in our faith in humankind. In our respect for what is earthly, in our unfaltering belief, in peace and love and understanding. Look around, believe in what you see. The kingdom is at hand, the promised land is at your feet. We can and will come what we aspire to be. Heaven's here on earth If we have faith in humankind And respect in what is at least And an unfaltering belief That truth is divinity And heaven's here on earth
We are born inside the gates with powder great life to take it away. The world is our temple, the world is our church. Cause heaven's here on earth. If we have faith in humankind and respect for what is earthly and an unfaltering belief in peace and love and understanding is heaven's here on visiting this week, we thought this would be a great song to, uh, to speak to this text in a lot of ways, because it, it essentially raises this question, then heaven's on earth, heaven's here on earth, um, then what are we missing? What are we not seeing? I'm going to borrow this stand here just a bit. So I want to start off with this, one of my favorite characters, one of my favorite characters to tell stories about, the wise fool from the Middle East, from the... 13th century, I believe, uh, Hoja Nasruddin, or Nasruddin Hoja, and um, so he's sitting in his house, and he's panicked, and he's looking around, he's lost his wife's favorite bracelet, the one that he gave her on one of their anniversaries, he can't find it anywhere, and he's in this real panic, he knows what's going to happen, he knows how disappointed this is going to be, and so finally, after searching and, and, and all to no avail, he looks up and he says, God, if you will help me find this God, I will devote myself to you. I've looked all day. If you could just help me find this bracelet, I will, if you could help me find this bracelet, I'll give you a third of my daily income. God, if you could just help me. And, and then he stops, and he looks over to the left, and he all of a sudden notices the bracelet sitting right there just behind the cushion on the couch. He says, never mind, God, I found it. <laughs> so there's this idea, right, that what, what's, what, what are we missing here? And that, maybe that's the question of this story is also what are we missing here, but also this text, this text that, that honestly preachers, mostly I guess preachers, uh, teachers, if they would teach Bible study, this is a weird, awkward text. Jesus is here looking very contrary to the Jesus we often think about, the one who says, love your neighbor as yourself, uh, love your enemy, um, who talks about peace. And here he's saying, I, I, I didn't come to bring peace. I, I, I came to discomfort things. I came to ups, upend things. I, I came to set fire to things. And then this idea at the end that, he's, that he says, I mean, you look at the weather. You, can, you supposedly can see patterns. You supposedly understand life and nature is about patterns. And you can see them. You can, you can, all, you can see them and you can kind of predict. But why can't you see what's going on? Isn't that an interesting question? I have this quote that I wanted to throw up here. Let's see if it comes up here. Did you? Oh, you know what? You didn't see that I sent you those quotes, did you? Okay, it's not coming up there. Just visualize it in your mind. <laughs> Life is a process of becoming. This is Anais Nin, the, uh, the, the, the uh, late poet and philosopher. She said, Life is a process of becoming, a combination of states we have to go through where people fail is that they wish to, to elect a state and remain in it. And this is a kind of death. Patterns. Are we able to see the patterns? So where is it in your life, for example, that you get stuck? Right? Where do we get stuck sometimes? I mean, sometimes it's the simplest things. Why do I always lose my temper right there? Why do I always get impatient when I'm on the highway? Why do I always get impatient at home with this situation? What is it that I get all caught up in because I'm, I'm not in control of it, right? Where, where do I, or where do I find myself anxious? Why do I always get into these patterns? The simplest example happened to me just this last week. We had that wonderful, I, I don't know if some of you, I think a few of you were there at our, our potluck suppers that, that the church is doing now. Or 
no longer, but was doing throughout the summer. Did about four or five or four of them, and now the last one was this past week. Well, I hadn't been here because I've been on vacation, but I walked past the Fellowship Hall, the Wesley Hall there, and it was crowded with people, and I was thinking to myself, I wonder if any of my people will be here this, this evening. And it was, I was feeling a little awkward, and, and I, while I may be a public speaker, and while I did 25 years of traveling around and performing, I am incredibly shy and socially introverted. That's not my thing to go into a crowd and stir up a lot of excitement around me. I mean, it's, I was the th I'm the third child in the family, kind of almost like the second, third middle child in the family. And you know what they say about the middle kids in the family, they disappear, right? They just, nobody really notices them which is good and bad, because you get away with a whole lot of stuff. But also, you realize that there's this kind of invisibility, because you got your children up front, and then you got your last children coming into the picture, and so you kind of get lost in the middle there. I was always that shy kind of person. I just didn't feel comfortable. And so, yes, I admit it, I felt this resistance. I felt the same familiar resistance that I've had for years. You have those? Do you have those patterns? And you go, really? Haven't I gotten past this yet? And you still feel them. So I don't go do that kind of thing, you say. Or I don't, I don't engage in this kind of activity, you say, because it's just not that comfortable. Or I don't go talk to these kind of people because it's just not that comfortable. And that's fine. It's not like I don't like people. I just don't do it. And so I walked right past the Fellowship Hall. And nothing in the hallway. It was, it was 6 o'clock or so, 6.30, and they were already having dinner. You could see it was crowded in there. And if you go in, you've got to go right in front of everybody because that's where the food is and stuff. And I got to the end of the hall, and I said, I used to counsel drug addicts. I used to counsel hardcore prisoners who had, who had had drug addicts and were now in rehab. And I, was, and, I, and I did that. I confronted that. I remember having to deal with this kind of reality when I was a kid because of the nightmare. I started going through all of the things that I had done that faced my fears. And then I said, and I'm afraid to go into a potluck supper? And so I walked in, and I just started engaging with everyone. But as I walked in, I reminded myself something that I always tell you guys. And, of course, preachers, never pre if preachers in here know this. Half the time, who are we preaching to? <laughs> Ourselves, right? Yeah, we're the best example of what needs to happen and change. And so as I'm walking in there, I'm reminding myself every one of these people are part of the same imago dei, the same reality of God and the sacredness of life and the ground of being of God's love. Every one of them the same as me. Let's go enjoy that together. And I walked in and started saying hi and started engaging with people. And before you know it, we're making connections, right? Because the resistance is what keeps us from seeing we are in the midst of the kingdom of heaven now. It's that resistance it's that pattern. Now, if you think about your own patterns that you keep following and that you keep participating in, you can, look at the, you, you can look at the country around us and you can realize that what they're missing, what, what they were missing in Jesus' time and what they're missing in our time is that we are in the midst of these dysfunctional patterns. Right? We're seeing this same thing played out politically, culturally, tribally, with identity politics, it's all about patterns. It's not about thinking. Nobody's thinking. Everybody's reacting. Even the most progressive people, if you get online and you watch, if you're really looking, you know, you can see the patterns, you can see weather patterns, it's comfortable. Can you see the patterns that are in humanity, the social patterns? Because if you're really looking, you're seeing that everybody's reacting. Everybody's resisting. Very few people are what Rumi would say, let's find that place out beyond the ideas of right and wrong. Let's find that place and let's meet there. Very few people are doing that. We're all stuck in these patterns. When I used to work at the, cast, at the pastoral care center, oh, well, let me, let me back up here. There's, there's a couple of reasons why we do this. The main reason is because it's habitual. But the underlying reason is because it's also neurological, Right? We know from neuroscience that things that wire together, I mean, things that fire together, wire together. So if it's our fear that we're responding to, like my simple fear of social engagement, or maybe the fear of others who disagree with me, I mean, it can, you know, fear, discomfort. If we, if, if we realize that what's happening physiologically is that those neurons are firing, whether it's dopamine, whether it's adrenaline, whether it's a fear response, those things are firing, and as they fire, they wire, 
right? So neurologically, for years and years and years, we're training these patterns in ourselves. We do it socially, culturally, religiously. All of our contexts are part of these pattern systems. And Jesus is saying, can you even begin to see these patterns? Have you even begin to, can you even begin to recognize what's really going on? And even more importantly, can you see how your same response is participating in it? So that passage is not so confrontive after all in the sense of he's asking us to hate one another. He's saying you got to get in there and if you're actually going to change or transform the reality and actually help people find the kingdom of God, you have to be willing to get messy. You have to be willing to deconstruct. You have to be willing to come apart. And that's the part of the heroine's journey that we often miss because the heroic journey is what all about conquering and controlling. And that's fine, because there's places where that has to happen in life. But the problem is we get stuck because we fail to go inward and to find out how we're participating in the, pro the problematic patterns, the dysfunctional patterns we see. And because it's so familiar and neurologically rooted, it's hard to even see it and change it. When I used to work at the Pastoral Care Center over at Bright Divinity School, I had a supervisor that would come in here, and I've said this, I think, before to you, but he would come into the counseling sessions, and he'd say, you mind if I take over here for a minute? Because I'm dealing with this person that's coming in and going like the same thing, right? That's the same problem you talked about last week. It's the same problem you talked about six months ago. We're still dealing with, I don't know why this happens. I just keep kind of doing this thing. I keep finding myself in the same place. I make some progress, and then I find myself right, and over and over and over. So the supervisor comes in and says, you mind if I talk to him? And I said, no, come, let's, let me watch. So he sits down and he says, so you've got this problem again. He says, yeah. He says, because you like it, right? He says, no, I hate it. He says, no, 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 no. If a bee stings you, you know to get away. If a bee's coming at you, you don't want to get stung. If you're going to have, you want to drive safely on the freeway because you don't want to get in a wreck. There's all sorts of things that you know you're not going to like. No, you like this. And of course, I could see where he was going, but it was so hard for the client to see where, where he was going because when we're in these patterns, it's hard to see it. But he was asking him, he said, well, then tell me if you don't like it, why do you keep doing it? I can't help myself. No, no, no. If you could help yourself, I mean, you help yourself all the time. You avoid this, you avoid that. You know not to do this. You do this because it makes you happy. Why then this? And finally, he kind of helped him realize, he helped the client realize that we get in these patterns because we get addicted to them, literally get addicted to these patterns. And we see it in our politics. We see it even in the brightest of our politicians who are doing their darndest to do the right thing, whether the people on the right think so or the people on the left think so. But they are still operating out of the same mindset. It takes somebody almost crazy to come in and go, Let's talk about something else. Let's completely do something weird and off the wall and something else. Because if you look at it, what we have been doing for the last generation hasn't done anything but further entrench us, right? So I'm just saying when I said the bumper, and I got emails about this from a few of you and from other folks online that aren't with us in here, and I got a few emails that said, so what you doing, Tom, when you said that whole thing about George Carlin, that, that, that uh, bill, that uh, post, I'm sorry, that bumper sticker that you have on your ukulele that says, beware the dangers of stupid people in large groups? And then you said, who are those people? We know who they are. And then you said, it's all of us. He says, I'm not sure I like being called stupid. Right? We have to recognize we participate in the systems in which we participate. And sometimes and most often we're doing it unwittingly. So how do we change these patterns? How do we begin to see these patterns and to help change them if we really do believe we are in the midst of God's kingdom, if we really do believe we are in the midst of God's reality, or as Paul said in Apostle Paul, we live and move and have our being in the reality of God's love. How, how do we help others? We can't make others see it. Maybe the problem is, is we don't see it that clearly. We're just going to walk by the door because those people are different. It's uncomfortable. And we forget, oh, wait, we're all part of this same shared reality. Do I really believe it? So there was... There was this Irish guy, 
And he walked into the bar, and the bartender said to him, what do you have? And he says, well, I'm going to have three pints. I'll have three Guinnesses. And he sits down, and he says, really? Okay. Well, he drinks the three Guinnesses. He drinks one slowly, then he drinks the third one slowly, then he drinks the next one slowly. And after about half an hour or so, the bartender says, are, are you good? And he says, nope. I think I need, I think I'll need three more. And he said, well, now, wait a minute. I don't understand. What are you doing? He said, well, my two brothers and I have always promised that because we're so far apart, this time of year, we would always get together on this day, but we would get together wherever we are by going to the pub and celebrating one another, by drinking a beer in honor of each other. So we each drink a beer in honor of each other. That's three beers. And sometimes when we're really feeling special about each other, we'll drink another three. He says, well, that's really amazing, you know, but you don't have to, I mean, I could get you a new one. No, he says, it has to be the three because we're all three here. So a couple of weeks passed by, and then the guy came back in and says, well, what do you want? The bartender says, what do you want? And the guy says, I, I want just two beers. And the bartender says, oh, no, I'm really sorry. One of your brothers died. He said, no, 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 I gave up drinking. Figuring that out, okay. So, really, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's a joke. I mean, it's a silly joke, but the reality is we don't see the patterns we're in, do we? A lot of times we simply don't see the patterns. We have to catch ourselves when we find ourselves in the midst of these patterns. One of the, uh, so, so um, let me share this quote with you. Um, this writer has said, I don't know this writer very well, Sarah Krasnostein. But I loved her saying, I loved her, what she wrote, and I saw it in some book, and I just wanted to share it with you. We are united by the emotions that drive us into the beliefs that divide us. Now, I'm going to say that again because it's a pretty interesting statement to try to wrap your, hand around, your head around. We are united by the emotions that drive us into the beliefs that divide us. You see how that is? That's how we begin to change the pattern, is we recognize that we really are united by the emotions that drive us into these divisional, these divisive beliefs. We just don't recognize we're all part of this same reality. Sometime back, I shared on Easter this idea, this uh, acronym RISE, and I want to remind you about it really quickly. And I know it's repetitive. I know I'm repeating myself from what we did back in Easter. But you know what I just realized this week as I was putting this together? I realized that the reason why we get stuck in these patterns is why? Because we keep repeating them. We keep habituating them. We just keep doing them. So that the only way we can learn not to do the things that we're doing that's self-destructive or self-sabotaging or that participates in the vitriolic give and take that's a part of our reality, the only way we can begin to change that is to begin a spiritual practice of doing something else every time that starts to happen. And so I came up with this acronym called RISE because it was really nice and it was clever and it fit with Easter, <laughs> right? So RISE, we tend to react or resist or run. That tends to be a pretty prevalent pattern that we have when dealing with one another. We resist, we react, we run. Or maybe it's about ourselves. When we face something we don't want to deal with, we don't want to go back and look at that and ask questions of why we keep doing that. So we just keep doing it. We resist or we react to it. We're out of control, we don't have control of the situation, we react. So instead of resisting and reacting, take a moment to relax and reflect. Now when I say relax, I, I want to encourage you to take a breath an actual deep breath, because it does a number of things physiologically that are actually very helpful, but it also reminds you, again, practice, it reminds you it's the same breath you're breathing. It's the same breath they're breathing. It's the same breath we're all breathing. So take a breath. Take in a shared breath of our shared presence with all of creation. And then as we let that exhale out, we might start to ask ourselves, this is interesting. Is this what I'm doing? Is this another place where I'm reacting? We reflect on it for just a second. Then the second thing that we do is that instead of insisting or indicting the moment, instead of that, what we do is that we invite something else. We invite an inquiry. We, we, we begin to investigate. 
I was talking to someone in here who was dealing with something. I, well, I talked to a lot of you about these kinds of things, and we found out that you found out what I found out over the years, that when we deal with particularly difficult things, if we approach them the same way that we've always approached them, that it's about my problem, it's about this thing that I always have to deal with, it's about my anxiety, when we do that, we simply retrain re, or continue to reinforce the neural patterns. But if we stop and if we begin to ask questions about it, and to reflect on it as if we're a scientist, if you want, as if we're a journalist, if you want, as if we're sort of observing ourselves from a distance, we have already begun to change the pattern. You see how that works? You think of that in anything that you find yourself getting upset about or angry about or defensive about or controlling about, and if you start to stop and if you, if you actually reflect, take a breath and reflect and then investigate, you already feel something different. Now ask yourself if that would change when you're with somebody. You remember that story about Larry, Larry uh, Trapp, the, uh, the, uh, the KKK dragon in Nebraska? And in that town, the rabbi, local rabbi, had moved from New York, uh, Frank Levi. And the guy was sending him hate mail and, and leaving voice messages on his phone of hate mail and death threats. And Larry, I mean, uh, 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 Frank Levi was familiar with this kind of thing. He was Jewish. He, he'd experienced this kind of uh, racism or bigotry in other places. But he'd, he'd lived through it. He'd seen something larger than that limited pattern of, of living in life, that limited way of seeing things. And so over time, instead of reacting to it, over time, he saw something larger and began to ask questions about his own anxiety and then began to invite something else, something completely different. He'd just call Larry and try to talk to him, leave him a message. Good to, good, good to hear from you. I hear that you're handicapped, that you have to use a wheelchair, he left a message saying, I wonder if you need someone to help pick you up and take you to get groceries sometime. Larry would call back with hate voicemails and vitriolic statements. And, and then Frank would, again, email him or call him or do the same thing. He'd even go by there and knock on the door. He simply didn't, refused to participate in the pattern. And if you remember the story over time, Larry began to soften up. There was a time or two when he actually did need someone else to help him because nobody that he would normally lean on was there, and Frank would do it. In time, he came over to Frank's place, and they actually had conversations. And by the end of the story, you can look it up online, uh, Larry gave up the KKK. He denounced it. He now works for a nonprofit that works for trying to help people get out of these vitriolic, destructive patterns themselves. He, moved, he had moved in with Frank and his wife, and it completely changed his life. It completely transformed the moment. But what did it take? It took someone seeing the signs, someone seeing the pattern and realizing there's something else here. This is just the pattern we're all stuck in. So the, so the second thing is then to begin to inquire. And then the third thing, the rise, the S, is instead of that status quo, you have to begin to create space for grace to happen. You have to begin to create space, allow space for something to transform. The butterfly, the caterpillar goes into the cocoon, goes into that space, and then everything gets destroyed, right? Everything gets taken apart. But after, if you wait long enough in that space, something new begins to form. That's how the butterfly comes about, through all of that deconstruction. Stay with it, stay with it, Reconstruction's possible. There's a new way to see it. You don't have to see your faith the old way you used to see your faith, the way that it was abusive or exclusive or whatever. There's, new, there's other ways of understanding our relationship with the sacred in our midst. Sometimes we just have to sit with that confusion and something will come. And then finally, the last thing I want to share is enjoyment. E. Because I like the idea of enjoyment because if I shared with you before, it's not about your joy. You know, uh, Muhammad Ali had this wonderful quote that he said, it was just his poem, he says, the shortest poem anywhere, it just said, me, we. Me, we. Some people argued that it, since it was a spoken word poem, he might have been saying, we, like we, we. Or no, I'm sorry, me, we, that's what I meant, yeah, me, we. He might have been doing that, but it doesn't really matter, it's the same point, right? <laughs> because he realized he was saying, basically, we're all in this together. We know that. Enjoyment's not about your joy, it's about the joy you bring to the moment. That's literally what enjoyment means. What life do I bring to the life I'm in? 
The basketball team we used to have here when my son was on the basketball team at this church was hilarious. I can't remember the name of the team now or their mascots, but I remember going to some of the games. It was awesome. I don't know why. They were actually pretty talented, but they just chose not to relate to the game in that competitive way that you typically would enter a game. It's all about the winning. They like to make scores, but they were also much more about messing with the reality and changing it. So when they would group up in their cheer, they would say, one, two, three, let's make friends. <laughs> and then they would get really, the other team would get really aggressive with them, you know, blocking them and knocking some of them over. And they would come back to their team and they, their circle and they'd rally in. And they'd go, let's work harder. Let's make friends. And they would just keep doing that stuff. And then if things got really aggressive, they'd just get silly. So they would say, slingshot, which was one of their plays. And all of a sudden, the guy that was dribbling the ball would stand still as others would run around him in a circle. And then he would toss the ball out to somebody running around in a circle as others started to chase him. And then he would just throw it as hard as he could toward the backboard. And about one-tenth of the time, it actually went in the net. <laughs> but it was just the chaos that they would create. They did it in every game. And, and, and this idea of changing the culture was what they were about. How can we remind people that we're about this larger picture and have fun with it, even if it means getting a little weird at times? How do we bring enjoyment to the, to the moment? How do we bring life to life? It occurred to me that I could be all wrong, that in fact, this text is about God's vengeance and about right belief, and if you don't believe the way you're supposed to, you're going to experience fire and brimstone. It could be. I could be all wrong. But I could also look at the way reality has been for the last several decades of my life and realize that that abusive, vitriolic judgment pattern has not helped our world much. Not much at all. But what seems to be helping is still that progressive willingness to see a bigger picture that we all belong to. And what is hope? But hope is future casting in the present, realizing that this present moment means everything. Amen. Pretty long way. All your wounds are healing fine. I'm so glad I got you in my life. Now the winter frost is gone. Now's our chance to live the life we want. A little bit, a little bit.
little love goes a pretty long way. Take a look at where you started from and where you are today. Oh, love that, Ed. Like that. <laughs> yeah, Weezer, people. We did a Weezer song today. Whoa, a new Weezer song. They are still out there. Okay, let's stand for our blessing. And uh, I want to just also remind you guys, those of you online who are watching, I know that some of you teachers, including my son and daughter-in-law, and some of you in here teaching, and some of our kids in here want to send, send you off with a special blessing of encouragement and excitement for the new year coming. And um, don't worry about COVID at all. Don't even think about it. Okay, just keep on moving. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and Claire, thinking about going back to school, we want to send her off with a blessing. So we're glad she's with us this summer, and maybe we'll see you back during some holidays and some things like that. But thanks so much for being part of us this summertime. This has been great to have you. Good luck with everything. Thank yeah, you. blessings on that. Okay, so go in pieces. Our time has ended. Ideas are always being upended, but then new ideas and possibilities always being mended. Sometimes we have to diffuse those illusions and the confusion and sometimes we have to be part of the intrusion that brings this newness to life. So that even though things are unraveling, we are traveling together because we go in pieces. So go in pieces to share the world anew with those we meet. Amen. <laughs>